Welcome into a brand new episode of the Alex View Show this morning. Joining us on the show today, Justin Rock, play-by-play voice of the Daytona Tortugas. And Justin, great friend of the show. Thanks so much for waking up early with me this morning. It's a great day. It's Friday. We made it another week complete in this crazy year of 2020, as we were talking about before we started recording today's episode. It's the best time of year. We just wrapped up the NBA season. An NBA champion was crowned. Now we got postseason baseball along with the NFL season. It's like a perfect time of year to be a sports fan, right, Justin? Yeah, it's so bizarre. You know, you think about it a couple weeks ago when really every of the four major sports were going on, the NHL, the NBA, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL had started, college football had started. You also throw the WNBA in there, and it's like sports overload after we had that extended, you know, multi-month period where there was no live sports, and our our sports consumption was solely uh, old reruns of, you know, fights and games from, you know, decades and years earlier. So it's been such a great blessing to have all these sports going at the same time, and yet somewhat a little bit of a curse where you're trying to, like, find ways to get get like multiple eyes on each of this, each of the games going on at a given time. So it's been a lot of fun to be able to, to watch the NBA playoffs and then flip over to the MLB postseason. And then, you know, normally you got, you know, football on, on Thursday night as well, throwing things in there. So it's been a, it's been a cool couple of weeks and months being able to sort of consume everything all at once. Mm-hmm. For a long time, we had nothing. And now it seems like we have everything. So it's been tough to de- decide what is going to be on the big screen what's going to be on the phone or the ipad or the computer next to me because you have to decide and there's so many great options and let's get into those options we had two great postseason games last night astros and rays astros are interesting because the only team that has ever come back 37 and one is a record by teams that have had a lead in a best of seven game series in the postseason 37 and one is a record. The only team that ever came back after being down 3 0 were those 2004 Boston Red Sox. Justin, I said yesterday, I go, if I've learned anything this year, it's two things. One, don't ever count the Houston Astros out. And two, in the year 2020, anything is possible. Do you find it any possibility that the Astros could come back and be the second team in MLB history? to come back behind a 3-0 deficit. If anything has proven itself in 2020 is that uh, all weird things are humanly possible. And it would be so 2020 for the Houston Astros, the team that everybody is rooting against after beating in the first two rounds, the twins and the A's who may be the most snake bitten franchises in the entire American league to come back from a 3-0 deficit against arguably the best team in baseball throughout the course of the season in the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, so I think it's totally possible. I think all the pressure now is on Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, they're going to have, I think, Blake Snell going for them tonight, maybe Charlie Morton again in game seven. So they've got the starting pitching and they've got the right guys going uh, against the Astros. But the pressure's all on them now. The Astros seem to be playing free. Uh, obviously, had the leadoff home run from Springer last night and then bookended it. 
uh, with the walk-off by Correa. And uh, you have to give them at least some credit. They've, you know, they've been able to have success, even though this has been a weird situation where they're playing in a neutral site ballpark in San Diego. And both these teams are used to playing at least at this time of year indoors. And they're playing out in the element uh, out there in San Diego. And one of them will move on, uh, obviously, over to Arlington and, and Texas. But uh, I think it's totally possible that the Astros pull it off. It'll be interesting to see how they handle their pitching uh, the next two games, potentially, uh, because they've been so uh, hurt this year with injuries. Obviously, Verlander's been out. They lost Garrett Cole to the Yankees. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out and see how the Rays handle a little bit of pressure now as well. They've been sort of the ones playing free and easy, particularly in that series against the Yankees. Uh the series before this, before they played the Astros. So uh, I think it's going to be really curious, not just to see how the rest of the series plays out, but particularly also tonight in game six and see how the Rays respond to the way the last two games have gone. You mentioned Justin Verlander, a big piece, really the anchor to that Astros rotation in the last few seasons. And he was their guy when they could, when things went a little awry in a postseason series that we've seen before. When the Yankees back in 2017 started coming back, challenging the Astros, what the Rays have really done this whole series, they can rely on Verlander to put him on the mound and to lock down a W, and they can't do that this series. Who needs to step up on this Astros team, whether it's pitching-wise or hitting-wise, going forward in the next two games to hopefully move on to the World Series if you're the Houston Astros? I think, obviously, one of the big things to watch is going to be uh, Jose Altuve, not at the plate necessarily because I think, quite frankly, he's done a nice job. He's hit a whole bunch of first-inning home runs in this series, and he certainly has not been the offensive problem for them. However, uh, obviously his defense has been a big question mark, which has been really weird to watch. He's been such a good defender throughout the years, and all of a sudden in the last week or so, he's turned into Chuck Knobloch circa 2000 uh, for the Astros, which is really weird to see, uh, considering he really hadn't had defensive issues in the first two rounds of the playoffs either. So I think that's going to be a really big thing to watch for Houston but also their pitching. Um, obviously, Granke went the other day. I'll be curious to see if there is a game seven. Uh, is he going to be available on short rest? I think Lance McCullers is a huge guy. He's going to start either tonight uh, or potential game seven for the Astros. Uh, he's a guy missed all last year with injury. Uh, has great stuff, was huge for them. Uh, if you remember back in 2017, that postseason against the Yankees, he pitched great for them, especially uh, towards the tail end of that series. I think it was game seven he came in in relief and threw the last six innings or some odd uh, to shut down the Yankees and clinch the Astros' uh, first World Series berth in over a decade. So I think those guys are huge in the bullpen because – Honestly, it's been kind of impressive to see how Dusty Baker has strung it together because all these guys they're bringing out there outside of Ryan Presley really are guys that haven't had much, you know, time, let alone experience at the major league level, uh, let alone the postseason. You know, guys like Andre Scrub, they started Luis Garcia, who, you know, had only made one major league start prior to last night in game five. You know, Enoli Paredes, uh, all these different guys that haven't, you know, had experience and are basically neophytes at the major league level. Hell, half these guys don't even have, you know, you know, up-to-date headshots at times on Major League Baseball's website. So, you know, it'll be really curious to see how they handle these situations as they try and complete a comeback. 
Justin, we'll switch gears, go to the National League side of things. Dodgers, Braves, it's been an exciting series. It's been an interesting series for sure. And I think it has to be frustrating if you're a Dodgers fan because the Dodgers made the biggest move in all of baseball in the offseason. They got Mookie Betts and David Price. David Price, after COVID, opted out of the 2020 season. He's not on the roster, but Mookie Betts, a part of that lineup, a big piece to the Dodgers offense. And then you look at last night's game, the Dodgers are down two to one in the series and they got their guy, the best pitcher in all of baseball, really Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And we all know the stereotype of Clayton Kershaw in the postseason play of things. And that was a big game for Kershaw. Can you blame it on him or do you blame it more on the decision to keep Verlander in the game? I understand it would be, he was only at 74 pitches at the beginning of the inning. And I know that Dave Roberts said he was pitching phenomenal. And But again, last year and this year now too, Dave Roberts has showed that sometimes he has a little more too much trust in Clayton Kershaw as the game moves on. What did you make of the decision-making last night to keep Kershaw in? And would you have done anything differently? Uh, it's really interesting to see, you know, how that's all sort of played out. Uh, it's hard to totally blame Kershaw. The Dodgers only scored two runs. They only scored one uh, while he was in the game. Heck, while he was in the game, I think the Dodgers' only hit was that Edwin Rios home run uh, back in the second inning of that contest. Uh, so you can't totally blame it all on Kershaw. Obviously, uh, it will not look good in terms of his track record of postseason failures. But I can't totally blame Dave Roberts. I understand the wariness there because of the fact that he was scratched from game two start. And considering also the fact that his most vulnerable innings in the postseason, regardless of pitch count, have been those sixth and seventh innings. I think I saw a stat on Twitter last night that said he's thrown about like 23 some odd postseason innings uh, from the sixth inning onward. Uh, maybe even just specifically the sixth and seventh innings. And he's given up 22 earned runs in those 23 innings, which is really alarming for a guy like Kershaw, who usually has no problem giving you plenty of length uh, during the regular season. So you start to wonder a little bit if it maybe is a mental thing for him at that point in time of the contest. But I can't totally blame uh, Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw for the ultimate result last night, obviously. He'll take the loss and take the blame, but it's hard to win games in the postseason when you only score one or two runs. And how about Bryce Wilson, though? Kudos to him, a dude who hadn't pitched since September 27th, uh, holding that Dodgers lineup that exploded uh, the night before uh, to such minimal damage over six innings. So I think a lot more of the blame sort of has to uh, fall on the hands of the Dodgers hitters and their inability and rather their inconsistency in this series to produce runs because obviously they were great in game four or uh, game three to get that, uh, that big W get 15 runs, but you know, you can't spread those out over multiple games. And that's what Los Angeles looks like they need right now. The big hit is crucial. And the Dodgers haven't had a big hit 
in a very long time. But let's talk about the Braves pitching staff, really the highlight of this Braves team right now. And I'll throw it out there. Ian Anderson, a fun story. Ian's father, Bob Anderson, was my sixth and seventh grade math and science teacher. So I know the Anderson family pretty well. And he was also the coach of my high school baseball team up until I was a freshman in high school. And then he retired from coaching and then finished teaching. I think he still teaches, to my knowledge, at the middle school. So it's pretty cool to see uh, my uh, seventh and eighth or sixth grade math and science teacher's son perform at the highest level and have really, I mean, a zero ERA going up against teams like the Marlins, the Reds, and now, of course, the Dodgers. Yeah, it's been so impressive to see what the Braves have done. I mean, you know, you think about all the issues they've had with their pitching staff this season. They gave Cole Hamels that contract. He's barely pitched because of injury. Mike Fultonevich uh, really starting last year, started falling off the cliff after uh, being a really effective pitcher for them. Obviously, that awful injury uh, with the Achilles for Mike Soroka, who was so good for them Mm -hmm. a year ago. But it's been really cool to see Max Freed who had that uh, tough effort out of the bullpen last year in that elimination game against the Cardinals in game five, bounce back and be so great for them. And of course, just, you know, as you mentioned, Ian Anderson, a former top pick for the Braves has been dominant. Bryce Wilson, a guy who has been on the prospect radar for Atlanta for a number of years now, stepping up in that huge spot yesterday. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing that blows me away. You know, Ian's been so good in the postseason, but Bryce Wilson, you know, going into last night, hadn't pitched in an official game since September 27th. And he goes out there against the Dodgers team that he hadn't faced all season, possibly has never faced any of these guys before since there's so little overlaps between the Braves and the Dodgers minor league systems. Uh, And he goes out there and shoves the way he did for six innings. I mean, I looked last night after he finished, he'd only started two games all season and only once did he go more than three innings. And that was a five inning start and the start before that. So it's, it's kind of crazy to think about how they've pieced this together, especially when you look, at the stats from the season, and the Braves had the third worst ERA among qualifiers for the postseason, and yet here they are pitching as well as anybody here in the month of October, getting it done uh, with their great starting pitching staff uh, so far in the playoffs, and the bullpen has uh, really stepped up outside of that little blip towards the end of game two, uh, where the Dodgers nearly completed that comeback. So I think it's a tremendous credit to, to what Brian Snitker and that entire staff has done uh, with the Braves. And uh, I know Atlanta's fans are very excited and be really curious to see if the Dodgers can find a way to string together some magic here uh, against a Braves staff that has as much confidence as anybody in the world right now. Justin, this is what I love to do in any interview I do. It's a fast five quick round. It's five quick questions, and you have however long it take to answer them. Are you ready? I- I'm as ready as can be. So first one, what has been the most shocked moment you've seen so far this postseason in baseball? Most shocking moment so far in the postseason. Honestly, one of the more surprising things was, you know, watching that game five against the Yankees uh, between the Yankees and the Rays a cup, uh, I guess a week ago or so now. Uh, One, uh, I think the most surprising thing to me was Aaron Boone's decision to pinch it, Mike Ford, for Kyle Higashioka uh, in the eighth inning of that ball game, it, it was such a confusing decision. Ford hadn't 
had a hit since August 31st. He still doesn't have a hit since August 31st. Uh, Higgy, who hadn't been performing all too terribly at the plate for the Yankees, was hitting over 300 in the series and had a couple of home runs and played really well for them. Uh, but to decide to pinch hit Mike Ford for him, as opposed to guys like Clint Frazier or even Gary Sanchez, who at least had hit a home run in the postseason and might, you know, you never know with him, he could run into one and hit one out. So that decision really confused me uh, and really surprised me uh, from Aaron Boone. And then also later in that game, watching Giancarlo Stanton in that ninth inning really sort of be like Carlos Beltran in 06 and go down with the bat on his shoulder seemed so unlike him. Uh, throughout the course of the postseason, how well he had performed. So those are really the two things that have really startled me so far in the postseason in terms of surprises and also a little bit of how the Astros have responded uh, in this series against the Rays. They have refused to say die. And as much as I like to, to make fun of them and rip on them like everybody else on the Internet these days, you have to give them a lot of credit as well for uh, how they've been able to produce offensively in this postseason, assuming that there are no trash can banging in uh, California. Number two, what has been one of your favorite moments of this 2020 season in baseball? Uh, it's been really cool to see all these young players come up and make an impact at the major league level, uh, despite the fact that there's been no minor league season. Many of these guys have not, you know, you know, hadn't played in real official games until they made their major league debuts uh, in the 2020 campaign. You know, uh, people who are involved in minor league baseball like ourselves, you know, for me seeing a guy like Jose Garcia, who was our shortstop in Daytona all last year, and he had an incredible second half for us with the Tugas. And I remember talking to scouts and fellow broadcasters and really anyone who was around the ballpark saying, you know, this kid's going to be a star. And then sure enough, he had a great spring training and got to make his major league debut, was on the postseason roster uh, for the Reds. So that was so cool to see. But it's way more than just, you know, Jose and the Reds. You know, the Astros have brought up these guys that, you know, hadn't pitched above a ball and they've had success. You look at the Braves with guys like, like we mentioned, Ian Anderson, Bryce Wilson, uh, other bullpen and uh, offensive pieces, Christian Pache, a guy who hadn't played in the minors, obviously all season gets thrown into the starting lineup because Adam Duvall gets hurt and hits a home run the other night has been a huge uh, producer in their lineup, not to mention, obviously, the great defense he provides. Uh, and just throughout Major League Baseball, these young players coming up and providing a lift of some sort to their Major League team, you know, also keeping it local, Andres Jimenez, the Mets, mm -hmm. had done a marvelous job when people were like, why is he on their opening day roster? So I think that's been one of the, the really – fun things throughout the course of this truncated baseball season to see all these young players come up, make an impact, uh, give each fan base really a, a reason to be excited about the future. I mean, heck, even if you're a, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you got the number one pick and you probably got Kumar Rocker coming to you uh, in a couple of months or so. So it's been really fun to see this youth influx in baseball continue. Uh, and it just means the future of the game is in incredibly great hands. Number three, we've talked about the four teams still remaining in the postseason play of things. What's your prediction? And I guess I should add, is your prediction still in place from 
earlier before the postseason began things, or is your bracket all messed up as well as mine? <laughs> My bracket's pretty messed up, but I do I did have the Rays and the Dodgers in the World Series, so mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see whether that ultimately comes to fruition. Obviously, uh, the Rays are in a much more advantageous spot than the Dodgers are right now, but with the way things have looked for the Astros uh, in the last couple of games, maybe the Dodgers can muster up that same sort of magic to make things work out in the end. Uh, but uh, so far, I think I've been batting 500 throughout the postseason. I had the Rays, I had the Dodgers in the spots they're in, but the teams that they're playing, I did not have uh, in that particular spot. So I think it's still possible we see a Rays-Dodgers World Series, uh, but it's looking a lot more like we might see something more along the lines of Rays Braves, which will make uh, a lot of fans in the Southeast, particularly those in Florida that I've been around that grew up watching the Braves on TBS because that was the only thing that was done. Now that the Rays are there in Florida, there are a lot of Rays Braves fans who could potentially be very confused of where their allegiance lies uh, next week. And the fourth one, I think this might be one of the most important questions that I ask you on this interview. What is your go-to snack while watching a baseball game? And it's a great question. It really all sort of depends on the mood. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I love the old uh, late night baseball uh, adage, you know, past midnight, I guess it has to be ice cream. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can never yeah. go wrong with, with some good ice cream late night watching baseball. But uh, usually for me, it's any sort of like, uh, you know, just sort of chips, uh, anything you, you normally get around the ballpark, potato chips, Doritos, uh, you know, you know, ruffles, whatever it is. That's usually my go to uh, during, during baseball games these time of year. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth one for the fast five, the last one, you've kept busy this just quarantine process, no minor league baseball season. We thought we got, we won't have a baseball season. We ended up having one. What you've been keeping busy. You've been calling just video game style formats of baseball, just to keep your just work going as well as me. Uh, What has this year been like for you in particular? Uh, it's, it's been a roller coaster, you know, like everybody else, it's been incredibly challenging. You know, the, the crazy part is, you know, as the world stopped in early March, you know, it's kind of crazy to go back and think, uh, as that was happening, you know, the world sort of stopped on that Thursday, March the 11th. And the days leading up to that, I was in three, four different cities in less than a week, uh, the Army women's basketball season, who I also call the games for, had ended on that Monday. We were, you know, one city on, you know, Wednesday, and we were in another city on Saturday for the first round of the postseason. Uh, then we were in a different city on Monday, and our girls actually had to have some closure. They lost on the Monday to the top seed, Bucknell, and then obviously they never got a chance to play the league semifinals. Uh, because the world ended up stopping. Uh, And I was supposed to go down to Daytona to start the baseball season for the Tortugas that Monday uh, following, you know, the weekend. So, you know, that Thursday happened, the Thunder and the Jazz game, and, you know, they they postponed that. They ended up putting the season on hiatus in the NBA. You know, I'm wondering what's going on. I'm ready to start thinking about what I'm going to send in an email to my bosses the next morning. And I wake up to an email saying, Hey, don't go anywhere. And sure enough, that day was the day that 
Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball announced the season was on hold. Uh, so it was crazy to think about. I was about ready to drive down and then was told to stay put and then never left. So it was very bizarre there. My mom had a battle with uh, with COVID. She also mm-hmm. was dealing with uh, aspirating pneumonia. And she was out of our apartment for you know four or five months or so, came back uh, about a month or so ago. And it's been so great to have her back home. Um, so it's like everybody else. It's been really tough uh, emotionally, uh, career-wise, uh, and just trying to, to power through. Luckily, got a lot of great friends that uh, stayed in touch with, and trying to keep the uh, the emotions, you know, in- intact, and try and keep myself balanced. Um, just trying to find ways to stay busy. Whether, like you said, I was calling uh, ML Botball games. Uh, I know yes. they're wrapping up uh, the World Series. Uh, for them uh, this week, I believe as well. So it, it was fun to just keep the voice active. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I called my first live game since uh, that Monday, March the 9th, um, uh, doing Army soccer. I think I'm doing a rugby doubleheader in a couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> just, just as something you know to do and to help out and, yeah. and get back behind the mic and get back on the horse. I know uh, they just started women's basketball practice uh, yesterday, I think it was, uh, for Army West Point. So, you know, slowly working back towards uh, some small slice of normalcy. But like everybody else, it's been a, a really challenging emotionally, physical, uh, mental, you know, six, seven months. But uh, thanking uh, my lucky stars that I'm still here. I'm still healthy. Uh, you know, my folks are, are still here and healthy. And um, just trying to count the blessings that we've got uh, here in 2020, because heaven knows it's been uh, tough on all of us and trying to just uh, make the best of bad situations. Absolutely. Completely agree, Justin. And thanks so much for joining me this morning on the Alex Fuse show. Before we go, though, who is your World Series pick? My World Series pick uh, was the race, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, just watching them. Uh, throughout the season, obviously being in the East, you know, Mets and Yankees are on all the time. So I got a chance to see them a lot. They're really good. They're, they're, there's nothing, there's no other way to put it. They're just an extremely talented team. They're well coached. They're well put together. Um, I think it's their year. I think it's their time. Uh, but of course, now that I've said this, this will probably mean the Astros will win in game seven. <laughs> Justin, thanks again for joining us. Where can everyone follow you on social media to follow along with you the rest of the postseason play and the offseason with things? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Justin Rock. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-R-O-C-K-E. No, I'm not related to Chris or the. Um, you can follow me there. Um Happy to chat with you, and we'll talk some baseball, talk some basketball, whatever it is uh, that's on your mind. We'll have some fun. Justin, thanks again. My pleasure, Alex. Keep being uh, yourself, keep being well, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon.